morning, church. I wanted to raise an awareness with you this morning. I'm not sure whether you realise that uh, Churches of Christ is the largest network of, of uh, foster carers in Queensland. And there, but there's a great need in that network, and that's a need for respite foster carers. Can you imagine um, being a foster carer and knowing that there are some people that you can rely on and give you a break? So I want to raise that awareness with you this morning, um, and I want to ask you up front to consider being respite foster carers. Um, maybe you're sitting there this morning and going, well, maybe that's not for me, but maybe there's someone that I know. Maybe there's a friend or a family member who would just be perfect as a respite foster carer. So I want to challenge you this morning whether you'd like to go and visit a website. That's all I'm asking this morning. The website is at takesacommunity.com.au. It takes you straight to that website. It gives you lots of information about what Churches of Christ do in amazing areas of children, youth, and families. On that website, you'll find out, find out more about foster caring. Um, just click on that tab, and it'll, uh, it'll take you to some information. But I, I thought I'd take the opportunity of doing that this morning because as I thought about it, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be a great gift? Wouldn't it be an amazing gift to a child who is in need to, be, to, to go to a, someone's place, a loving family from, from respite, who, who know and love Jesus and can shower and just smother that child with the love of Christ? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be the greatest gift? So I just um, want to challenge you this morning to visit that website and um, to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit where he may lead you. But there's another reason I wanted to show that video because it fits in really perfectly with my topic in your series of multi-missional. And this morning we want to talk about how we can be with Jesus on his mission to establish his kingdom by our beautiful behavior. Now, when I was putting the words together, I thought, you know, um, by our beautiful lives or our beautiful... And, and, you know, sometimes some of us don't really gravitate to that word beautiful. I, I must admit, I don't think I've ever been described as beautiful. Maybe when I was a baby. Um, but I've seen the photos, probably not. <laughs> but your beautiful behavior, and that will make sense a little bit longer, a little bit later. I, I've, listened, I've watched some of the sermons in this series, and I, I suppose one of the questions, or one of the things I want to clarify this morning is, I don't think the intention of this series for us to, to see these as a number of options, or, you know, like a menu. Um, I'll follow Jesus um, by being generous. That's my contribution. And we circle that on our option list, or we, we, we order that on our menu. I think these are different aspects of, of being missional with Jesus that really describe or paint a portrait of a, a follower of Jesus, a full follower of Jesus. And I think as we consider these different ways of being on mission with Christ, I, I think it actually invites us in um, to a number of different things that we may be already doing in our lives. And I wonder this morning whether... Um, Already in this series, you go, you've gone, well, I do that, but I didn't know I was being missional. How cool is that? So there may be some things that you are already doing in Christ's name that you've recognized over the last couple of weeks and have been really, really encouraged. 
But Jesus' mission was to show and tell the good news of the kingdom. It was his priority. If we read through the Gospels, there were, there were times when Jesus would visit a, a village and hanging out with Jesus must have been awesome because they always wanted him to stay. None of them said, well, Jesus, there's the way out. And they said, Jesus, don't go. Hang out with us a little bit longer. But Jesus says, I've got to go because why I was sent, the reason that I've come is to share the good news of the kingdom. So I've got to, there's another town down the road. I've, I've got to go. It was Jesus' priority to share the good news of the kingdom. Uh, it was also a priority when he says to him for his disciples, as you've already sung, seek first the kingdom. The kingdom is a priority for Jesus and his followers. It's a big deal. Jesus told strange, subversive stories about the kingdom. A kingdom is like a mustard seed. Like, we're used to that. People, you've been coming to church for a while. We're used to that. The kingdom is like a mustard seed. But that is a crazy thing to say. A kingdom is not like a mustard seed. It simply isn't. But Jesus is saying, my kingdom, my subversive, underground, upside-down kingdom is like a mustard seed. He told these strange stories about the kingdom. There's series of them in the Gospels. When he taught his disciples to pray, he embedded the kingdom in that prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. The kingdom is important. And Jesus invites us to be with him on, on, on mission. But I know the title is Multimissional by Being Beautiful. But I think there's, if in brackets, it could be um, also some annoying questions. I don't know whether you've got someone in your household that is the annoying question person. Um, that's probably my role in my family. I'm one of those people that ask annoying questions, drives my family crazy. But I think my grandson is, is close second, and he may take over the mantle of asking annoying questions. But I want to ask, a few, few people are being tapped on the shoulder as we sit here. You're the one annoying question. Um, bit of uh, self-revelation this morning. But I want to ask a series of annoying questions because I'll tell you why. I think sometimes the church, we assemble on Sunday morning and we sit in our comfy seats and we go into kind of church mode. And, and do you know when you, you haven't watched the TV for a while, it kind of it has that pattern that comes up? And I think sometimes in church, when it's sermon time, there's a switch and we go into this um, oh, it's just nice to be here, Wednesday morning tea kind of mode. <laughs> so my annoying questions are, are there to kind of wake you up. I want to ask the first annoying question. There's a whole heap of them, so hang out for them. Um, why, I mean, honestly, why would you even consider being a respite foster carer? What, why would you even consider being with Jesus on, in mission? Why would you even consider thinking about your beautiful... Because all of that sounds inconvenient. It sounds demanding. It sounds confusing. So why would you even think of it? Because let's face it, we are nice and comfy, aren't we, as followers of Jesus in the 21st century? Why, why, why would we do anything different? Let's just rock up to church. Why would we go down and join Jesus in his mission? 
Well, I think some of the answers to that annoying question have already been answered. Emily, a few weeks ago, she talked about how Jesus saw people. He really saw them. And he recognized that these people were helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. And he was moved with compassion. Why should we join Jesus on his mission? Because we're moved by compassion. We have received God's love. And church, we have the ability to be moved. Do we see the things around us? I mean, really, do we see them? Do we see the families living in our streets? Do we see the, the people that we work with? Do we really see them? And are we moved with compassion? One of the first things we need to be very aware of is, is the church. We can become stuck over the road from our place as a construction site. It's just wonderful. Um, there's more tradies in our street than in Queensland. They're everywhere. And they've laid concrete, a big concrete driveway a few weeks ago. And the truck pulled up and the, the concrete flowed out of the truck. But within hours, that concrete was set. Initially, they could move it around and manipulate it. But then it set hard. Church, we've got to stay movable. We've got to be moved by compassion. We've got to see people, but we've got to have the ability to move. Because sometimes we see people and we just say, isn't that sad? That's the first step, but it's not the final step. Moved by compassion to do something. That may be why you would want to join Jesus in mission or be a respite foster carer. But there's another thing that I picked up on. Why would you want to be involved in mission with Jesus? Because you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Sam talked about Pentecost and how the Holy Spirit is a missional spirit. I love that because what happened when the Holy Spirit came? People from around the then known world heard what? The good news of the kingdom in their own language. It's a missional spirit. I love that. And you may be saying, I don't really want to be involved in Christ's mission. Being a churchgoer is good enough. I can't be a foster carer. I just can't. Well, that's the perfect scenario for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, God doesn't want us to be involved in things that we can do. He wants us to be involved in things that only he can do. So if being a foster carer or joining Jesus in mission is overwhelming, that is the perfect scenario because that's when the Holy Spirit empowers you to do what you can't do to be involved. But this morning, if there is a seed of desire, a seed of something drawing you to joining Jesus in mission, the Holy Spirit will do the next at rest. Well, let's talk about beautiful behavior. That we can be with Jesus on his mission to, to, um, to reveal the kingdom by our beautiful behavior, by the things that we do. But I think before we can really consider this, we need to be convinced that our behavior is effective. So if you've got your Bibles there, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 is the one we're going to look at. It's up on the screen. Let's read it together. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Read this before. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. 
Peter is saying, allow people to make the connection between your good deeds and your good God. There's a number of implications in that. Your good deeds have got to be kind of obvious. But they can make the connection between your good deeds and your good God. And I, I love when the Bible uses these, these rubbery terms. Live such good lives. There's not, they're not quantified. Live such good lives. Like, there's no start and finish. It's, it's a rubbery word. Live such good lives. But Peter doesn't leave it just a nebulous idea. In the next chapter, 1 Peter chapter 3, he uses this, this principle in a very um, real life circumstance. He says, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that any of them who do not believe the world, the word, they may be won over without words. How? By the behavior of their wives, by their beautiful behavior. When they see, the husbands see the purity and reverence of your lives. Here's the scenario. A couple have heard the good news about the kingdom, the good news about Jesus. The wife has accepted what Jesus has done. The husband has not responded. But after hearing the good news, he sees the wife's behavior. He sees her purity and her reverence and he is won over to the kingdom without any extra words. It's her behavior that not only demonstrates that the gospel is real, that Jesus is the king, but it authenticates that that's true. And it wins him over. There may be situations in your life that it is inappropriate for you to speak about Jesus. Maybe it's at your workplace. Maybe it's in your family. It's just not appropriate for you to do that. You need to be assured that your good behavior, your, your godly behavior, is making a difference, is demonstrating or authenticating the gospel. Maybe um, you're in a situa family situation where it's inappropriate for a, for a child to talk to a, 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 a parent about the gospel. Maybe it's an employee-employer situation. But we need to be convinced if we find ourselves in those situations that the good news is being shared, authenticated through our good behaviour. I, I really like this passage. It comes from Titus chapter 2. And Paul is instructing Titus, who's leading a church on the island of Crete. And he says, uh, he says to, to Titus, teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try and please them, not to talk back to them, not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they make the teachings about God our Saviour attractive. Now, little sidebar note here. When the Bible in this situation is talking about slavery, we should not hear it as endorsing our modern understanding of slavery. It simply isn't, but the full explanation is for another time. Um, we'll get Tim to organise that and um, explain that. <laughs> but what this passage is saying is to slaves to live such a good life in front of your masters that you make the teachings about Jesus, the good news about the kingdom, attractive, beautiful, Awkward question, annoying question. 
If Paul's instructing Titus to tell the slaves to live beautiful lives, to make the teachings about decency attractive, how come so many people in our world are repelled by the message of the church? How come so many people are repelled by the church? How come so many people are repelled by the word Christian? If the gospel is attractive, if the lifestyle of a gospel person is attractive, why are so many people repelled? There are lots of reasons. Maybe people really don't understand what a Christian is. Maybe they haven't taken the time to understand, you know, what, what they actually believe or why they do what they do or why they believe what they believe. But there's another reason, I think. The Bible tells us that the good news about Jesus' kingdom is confronting. It's a stumbling block. People don't like it. Um, because Jesus actually says, you know what, you think you're the boss of your life? Well, you're not. You're doing a really bad job. You're actually in slavery, but you can get be set free by making me the boss. People don't like that. They want to be the boss. I want to be the boss. Who doesn't want to be the boss? The, the, the message of the gospel is confronting because it challenges our self-rule. But we, as the messengers of that gospel, aren't to make it confronting, aren't to make it ugly, aren't to be combative. We're to make it beautiful. The message does the confronting, not us. We're to live lives to share the gospel um, in beautiful ways, in generous ways, in prayer-filled ways. Not in aggressive, combative ways. Timothy goes on to say, be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. How do you do it? With gentleness and respect. The gospel is confronting, but we don't need to be. We need to live out a life that makes the gospel attractive. People we're working with, they see us. Oh, he goes to church, he's a Christian. And they're observing us, and there needs to be something that goes, you know, you know I kind of like what he stands for. I kind of like what she does. I always use this stupid illustration, oh, and I really don't know why. In offices, there are often one photocopier that everyone uses, right? Not everyone has their own photocopier. How exorbitant would that be? There's a central photocopier. And everyone uses the photocopier, but no one refills the paper. It's always, why didn't you do Imagine if you're in an office. I mean, this, I know this is really, really silly. Imagine if you're in the office and you've done your photocopying, you go and pick it up and you do this outrageous thing. You check the paper tray. Oh, there's only five pages left. And you go to the ream and you put a new ream in there and slide it up there. And the ink. Oh, no, that's a specialist job. You can't do that. <laughs> And you refill the paper tray. And everyone else in the office is going, like, shocked. You know, they're sitting down and they've, you know, did you see what she just did? Oh, she did the unthinkable. I'm, even, I'm going to ring the union. I'm not even sure she's allowed to do that. <laughs> she refilled the paper tray. Those little acts of kindness and gentleness and patience, those little times when you sit and listen to people, you see people like Jesus sees them. That beautiful behaviour makes the good news about Jesus attractive. There's something about that bloke. There's something about that woman. What is it? I um, have an, uh, an amazing privilege of being having a long association with my first boss 
I left school at 16 and became an apprentice. And I worked for that guy for about five years. Then I left, worked for another workshop. Then I came back and worked for him for a little while before I went into ministry. So for 40 years, I've had an association with my first boss and his family, quite unique. And uh, I was pastoring in a different church and I got a phone call from my boss and he said, I still remember his words, he said, Stuart, I've got a job for you. And I, I said, oh, sorry, I've already got one. Um, he says, I want you to come round and prepare me to meet my maker. And um, he had terminal cancer and his wife was caring for him at home. So I'd go around there on Tuesday Arvos and we'd sit. A lot of the time he was, he was un, under pain medication, didn't even know I was there. But we would talk. And while I was there one time, his wife told me something that she hadn't told many people, that she'd actually been um, married previously and that her husband had passed away um, when she was a, a young wife and a young mum. She had three children, three young children. And he died, husband passed away. And she was left with this young family, no way to care for herself, no support network, no mum and dad around the corner. And she told me how the ladies from the local church just arrived. She wasn't part of that church, but they knew her. And they just arrived, and she says they cooked meals for us, they took, looked after our children for us, they, they gave us uh, guidance, they helped me pay the bills, they... They invited me into their community. Where I went to their Bible studies. And, and she, 40 years later, the beautiful behavior of those women at that church had a profound effect on her. She wasn't repelled by the church. She was attracted to the church because of the beautiful behavior of God's people. Annoying question. Do we turn people on or off to Jesus when they observe our behaviour? Do they want more or do they want to run? When they see our behaviour, is it a moth to a flame kind of thing? I, I told you these questions were annoying. But what Peter and Paul are talking about is something that Jesus had already said. Go right back to Matthew, to the Sermon on the Mount. Really familiar words for us as church people, aren't they? You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. They just, it just can't. Neither do people put a light, uh, light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men. And here it is. It's the same thing that, 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 that Peter has been saying. That they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Make the connection between your good deeds and your good God. But there is a difference in what Jesus said. Right at the beginning of this passage, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Now, that you is plural. Um, now, I come from Launton, I'm just down the road, and we would have no problems in understanding this passage because we would read it and goes, go, use are the light of the world. <laughs> I know Kalangaran people, they're much more cultured. <laughs> you guys wouldn't get it, but that's how we talk in Launton. Yous are the light of the world. What Jesus is talking about is when we're living our individual beautiful behaviours, our lifestyles out there, when we assemble 
We have this collective beauty. We have this collective influence. We have this collective power to influence people for the kingdom of God. Our influence is multiplied when we do things together. Not far along in the history of the early church, Pentecost, Acts 2, Acts 6, there's this already this feeding program going on and a bit of a blue um, starts in, in Acts 6 about who's getting this favoritism and who's getting the food. But the big deal is that the church has already started feeding people. It's only just started, but it's just started feeding people. Within a couple of hundred years of the church being in existence, in Rome, when they were a persecuted minority, the church, the early church, supported up to 1,500 people. It gave them medical aid, it gave them housing, it took in children. So their beautiful behaviour blossomed very quickly. And I want to encourage you, church, here this morning. When you feed people, when people come here and get their food, they are observing your beautiful behaviour. They're asking that question, why do these people do this? And when they meet you, the same people, every week maybe, and they have that ongoing conversation, we have the opportunity for them to observe our beautiful behaviour. Because it's not just what we do, it's the way we do it. Right? You, we can do the right thing from the wrong motive. We can do the right thing in the wrong way. But when people come and see what we do and the way we do it, they, they make this connection between our good deeds and our good God. When you invite people from the community into your community, as youth group encourages young people to come in that don't know anything about Jesus, they don't, they don't have the background that we have and we Emily and the team invite them in and they belong and they see and they have a good time and they say why are these people doing this they make the connection between our good deeds and our good God and I know you do it in a number of different ways the Christian church was so good at the beautiful behaviour that the, um, that the Roman emperors instructed the, the pagan priests to go you know these Christians are, are just trouncing us because they're nice. Can you guys start being nice? Like, just be nice to people. How hard is that? Be good. But they couldn't be good because they hadn't received the love of Christ. They themselves couldn't love because they didn't know God loved. See, what they wanted them to do, the pagan priests, they wanted to make good deeds a tactic, a stunt, a PR exercise. Now, our good behaviour as followers of Jesus should never be a stunt or a tactic. It should be purely an expression of our love for God and for, his and for his people. There should be purity in our actions. I remember quite a few years ago being kind of um, confronted by an older couple in our church. And we were doing something that I thought was really noble and great. And they asked me the question, and they said, Stuart, are you, are you doing this because you really love the people of Stafford? And my initial question was, of course I'm doing it because I love the people of Stafford. And when I went home, I realised I wasn't doing it. My actions weren't motivated. They were good actions. But they weren't motivated by love. I think they were motivated because I wanted to, to look good, that, that I wanted to make my reputation better that people would look at me and go, whoa, look what he's done, isn't that wonderful? 
wasn't pure. It wasn't motivated by love. So church, be careful that what you do is not a stunt. Because that's why it's really important for us to gather. Because when we gather, because love is the ignition point of what we do. Christ's love for us ignites us. And when we come together as church, we get re-gospeled. Um, when we take communion, we get reminded of the love of Christ. And, it, and it's, it's like we get fueled up with God's love. That's, this is not the only time, but it's a pretty good time that we do it together. And we come together and we get re-gospeled and we kind of fall in love with Jesus again when we're confronted by his sacrifice and his love for us. And we, we get our tanks filled up. Like the church is like, um, like a hangar. My dad comes from the aircraft industry. The church is like a hangar. On Sunday morning, the church is like a hangar. Planes whizzing around, well, they used to. Um, and they come into the hangar and they get maintenance and they get refueled. That they're not designed to be in the hangar. They're designed to be in the air. So they come into the hangar, they get refueled, they get recharged, they get some maintenance. Why? So they can get back into the air. We're here this morning to, together to get refueled together, get topped up, to be reminded of God's love. God loves you enough to die for you. He's powerful enough to defeat your greatest enemy, which is death. And we, and we get refueled. And when we get topped up with God's love, not just on Sunday mornings, but when we get topped up on God's love, we go out and live our lives and God loves spills out on all the people we come in contact with. We can't help it. It's like a toddler taking mum a cup of tea. Will there be tea in the saucer? Absolutely. Will they spill it? Of course they will. And as we go out in the world, the love of God just spills out all over the place. Another annoying question. What is the kingdom of God? Talking about it a lot. Christ's priority. Parables about it. Seek it first. Pray about it. What is the kingdom of God? Scott McKnight, New Testament scholar, says the kingdom of God is about a, it's all about a king. And that king is Jesus, who reigns by redeeming and governing people. He saves us and then leads us. People who follow his will, bringing his reality into their places. The kingdom of God. When Jesus comes, he announces that there's a new king in town. There's an alternative kingdom. No longer do you have to get bossed around by the opinions of others. No longer do you have to feel the pressure of leading your own life. There's a new king who will reign, you, reign with wisdom and love and purpose. That king, he loves you enough to die for you and is powerful enough to defeat death. And when we trust in him, not just with our heads, but with our hearts, when we offer ourselves fully and unreservedly to King Jesus, he rules our life. And he sets us free to join him in his subversive, unstoppable, unending, starting now kingdom. We join his mission together and we declare the good news of Jesus Christ and we join with Jesus in making his creation right again. Because there will come a time when Jesus will return and put everything right. And we work towards that end now.
we start putting things right now. So when there's not enough respite carers for foster children, the church says, how can I express the love of Christ by looking after them? Sam said something in, his, in the first message. Jesus says to me, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will be my witnesses. You will be. That's, a, that's not um, will as in hopefully. That's will as in you will be his witnesses. So church, whether we like it or not, whether we accept it or not, we are the witnesses. People are looking at us. They're looking for the testimony of Jesus in our lives. They are looking. We are the witnesses. That's an identity statement. And hopefully, hopefully being with Jesus on his mission is an identity that you can live out. That's enticing. That is attractive to you. As a young man, I was in church for a long time before the penny dropped. I didn't really know what to do with myself. I, I, I loved Jesus and I wanted to follow him and I went to Bible studies and all sorts of things. But I wanted to get my hands dirty. I, I was a young man. I had a lot of energy. I wanted to... And someone told me about the kingdom of God that I could be a co-laborer with Christ. I could join him on his mission. And I just got excited about it and I've been excited about it ever since. I hope there's a sense of excitement and fulfillment. Maybe your Christian life has not been fulfilling. Maybe intentionally joining Jesus in his mission will, will, will fill that emptiness, will fill that unfulfillment. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you've set us free. Not set us free to do whatever we want, but set us free to join you on your mission. Lord, maybe we've read the Gospels and thought, wouldn't it have been great to be a disciple? Wouldn't it have been great to hang out with Jesus and do what Jesus was doing? That invitation is still live today, that we can join you. Lord, that our beautiful behavior the way we demonstrate the reality of you in our life, by doing that, we're joining you in your mission. Lord, help us now in these moments, Lord Jesus, Lord, to seek you and to respond to you. Lord, this is not a wasted 20 minutes. Lord, we want it to be effective. And the way it's effective is by us responding. And our initial response is here, but our genuine response is kind of tomorrow. How, how do you want us to align ourselves or realign ourselves with your mission and your word this morning? What is the one thing, Lord Jesus? Holy Spirit, help us. What is the one thing that you want us to do in response to what you have said to us this morning? You don't want to waste your breath, Lord Jesus. You want to direct us. What's the one thing? In these moments, Lord Jesus... Help us to zero in on the one thing. Has there been one Bible reading, one terminology, one word, one thought, Lord, that you are drawing us, drawing us to this morning, that you want us to respond to? Heavenly Father, we admit that there is a, there's something enticing, there's something adventurous about being with you on mission. That brings kind of a, a skip to our step. 
sometimes a bit of a thrill to, to imagine, to be, to acknowledge that we are with you on your mission, that we can reveal to people that there's a new king in town, that he sets us free to be with him. Lord, I pray that we would just kindle that excitement, Lord Jesus, and make a reality in our real lives, Lord Jesus. Be with us and guide this church, Lord Jesus. We thank you so much for it. And we pray these things in your wonderful name. Amen.